I think it's really easy for us to be hard on ourselves because we did make a lot of mistakes and went into that with a lot of assumptions. And we were, I mean, we were real newbies about this kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, it was also like I found a really exciting time because it was just like so new and felt so cool at it was times. super exciting. Like super cool. You know, I was like, wow, I just suddenly have like this group of like three people that I can have hang out with me. And uh-huh. it feels sleep great. With, yeah. And sleep with sometimes. And that's like super fun, you know, yeah. but also we can, I don't know. It, there was parts of it that was like really, really cool. And I think even though there were so many mistakes and like a lot of pain that ended up happening, I feel like it was really formative for me to also have those wonderful feelings of like, wow, this is just great. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Welcome to the Multi Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, it is our 300th episode. Yay! Wow. <laughs> that's, that's air horns. In oh, case you don't good. know what air horn <laughs> sounds like, that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, so after six years, two tours, which were both national in the U.S. and a little bit international, we're almost a thousand Patreon subscribers, almost three million downloads of our podcasts total, and hundreds and hundreds of hours of recording with you two over the last uh-huh. six years. We thought it would be nice to kind of do a little bit of a retrospective. So today we're going to discuss how we started this podcast. If you have been listening since the beginning. You've pieced that together in little pieces, but figured we could share that story for those of you who are interested, as well as how our lives and our relationships have changed since starting the podcast, how the world has changed during the time we've been doing this podcast in terms of perceptions about non-monogamy and relationships, as well as potentially some plans and hopes for the future. I went to look, I was like, did we do a retrospective on 200 episodes? Like, when was our 200th episode? And I went and looked, and so our 200th episode came out on December 3rd, 2018, and the title of that episode is 200 Episodes Later. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So I guess we must have done a retrospective then as well and also failed to spell episodes correctly. So that reflects well on us. Maybe we should try doing the better this time around. When was the 100th episode? Was it like December 3rd, 2016? Oh my goodness. No, our 100th episode, it was... Oh, that that was before recorded history. (laughs) That was before we were recording our like release dates in our own database. I'm sure we could go find it, but... um, yeah, I don't want it right now. Episode one hundred was on relationship resolutions, though. Okay, cool. So that oh, means it. Yeah. yeah, it came out uh, January third, twenty seventeen. Okay. Wow. Look at us. Look at wow. us go. Well done, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we did a retrospective at two hundred. I don't remember what we talked about. I hope that we don't repeat ourselves too much. I hope we've learned something new between episodes two hundred and three hundred, because that's the course of like almost two years now. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Wow. And the world has changed a ton in between now and then. Oh, gosh, you're right. It feels like... Okay, no. You're right. Thinking about 2018, which is when our 200th episode came out, it feels like freaking lifetime ago. Yeah, and we had... um, Wait, it was the end of 2018 when that happened? So we had just gone on our second tour. I think we did our second tour in 2018. Oh, my God. Really? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible, too. What has yeah. happened? Remember all those dreams we had about doing a tour in this last year? That Oh, uh, yeah. We oh, started yeah. planning a 2020 tour. Yeah. It was super fun. And, and then, nah. And then, nah. 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 We wrote Here a br- we book proposal instead. That was what we spent most of this year doing, a lot of this year yes. doing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, well, so, so, I f- so, Emily, you mentioned when we were going to do this episode that you were surprised by how many people don't know 
our story or how we started the show or what what was it that you've found? How how's that come up? Yeah, well, we the three of us all did like a little interview series for a different podcast. And it was very like clear from the things that they were asking me that they didn't really know like what our whole configuration is now and like, you know, that I'm not non-monogamous now and haven't been for like a number of years, like things like that. And and it does, I do once in a while, like when people slide into our DMs, stuff like that on Instagram and they're like, wait a minute, like I'm trying to figure out what are you all three together? Like what's happening? <laughs> and so some people clearly don't know. So for those of you like who are listening to this, maybe it would be interesting to you if you didn't already know like what our configuration is as the three of us to to kind of hear that like story real quick. Yeah, I will say it has been interesting that I do occasionally get people who reach out to me um, who are a little upset that we're not spilling more goss about our personal lives mm, on the I have, show. I've gotten actually. that too, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we do, um, you know, try to drop in real-life examples from our lives when we're talking about particular principles and stuff like that. But it's like this show has never really been a we're going to sit and goss about what's been going on with us i've seen some shows like that i feel like that's something that i notice more about like for instance like swinger podcasts i think there's a lot mm-hmm. of swinger podcasts which is just kind of recounting what happened They're at this event what happened at that event yeah. you know and so there's of course there's definitely a market and an audience for people who want to kind of live vicariously especially someone who's living a slightly more scandalous lifestyle necessarily but the weirdest <laughs> thing i got was like someone reached out to me i think this was a couple of years ago reached out to me saying well, I assume that all three of you only practice parallel polyamory because you don't really talk about uh, your other partners in extreme detail on the show. Wow. And I'm like, mm. well, first of all, that's not really true. But also, second of all, I'm like, there's a thing called privacy. Sure. <laughs> you know, like there is kind of a responsibility where I don't want someone to date me and then be afraid that I'm going to turn around and just like talk all, all on the podcast about how they were in bed and stuff like that. So, yeah. The right. balance and, there and to be fair too i think if that's what you're looking for in a podcast there's a lot of podcasts out there that will give you that even kind mm-hmm. of more mainstream dating advice shows that i'm not a big fan of the advice they give love to gossip about their personal lives or tease each other about them or talk about the sex that they had or whatever so i just i also think there's a lot of that already you know that there's mm-hmm. if, if that's what you want you can get it But if you are interested in knowing, like, at least, like, our backstory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it goes all the way back to 1987. I was born. That was when you were born. I wasn't (laughs) even alive then, okay? Emily wasn't around. Jace had already been on the planet for a good long while. A good 20 years or something like that. No, I was was five or six, depending on when we are, yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm going to fast forward through history um, a little bit. I, I think that when I think about when I think about my life for uh-huh. meeting Jason Emily, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, oh gosh, this might make me a little emotional. Oh, <sighs> okay, because I mean, it's really characterized by honestly feeling really alone. Not like in my life as a whole. I had people, you know, but kind of feeling really alone. I guess in my identity and in the fact that I was like pursuing polyamory and it honestly really felt like it's like literally the only people I have to talk about this are the people that I am dating some of whom are really not receptive to that some of whom don't really get it some of whom are the people I'm dating and and they shouldn't you know be carrying the full burden of needing to be all of my community and stuff like that um but I don't know I mean before I met the two of you I was definitely at a place where I was only just starting to I think start to take ownership of being polyamorous really, you know, um, I was only just starting to be very blunt about that with the people that I was dating, but I definitely didn't really have any friends who Mm. were into that. And I, I didn't, I also up to that point had pretty much all negative metamorph experiences as well. Mm. Mm. You know, like leading up to that point, it was a lot of, you know, I was dating people where my metamors were, were pretty clearly secondary or just kind of hookups and stuff. And so there wasn't really a need to meet them or they were dating people in kind of not very ethical ways. And so there was just naturally like some bad blood 
there often from the start between myself and my metamors. Um, so that's the place that I was before meeting all y'all. Um, and I feel like Jason, Emily, the two of you have talked a little bit more on the show about, you know, your process of opening up and how that went for the two of you and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if there's anything else that you that you recall from that time of the, the pre-multi-amory era of what strikes you the most from that time or what you remember. Yeah, I mean, something we've talked about before on the show is that when we started this podcast, Emily and myself had only been doing polyamory for something around a year a or so. A hot second. A hot yeah. second, really. A and you knew everything. Pan. We all knew everything at that point. That's, so we're like, right. let's start a podcast. <laughs> That's the thing. I, <laughs> I'm surprised at how much, surprised and not surprised, because that does seem to be kind of like the thing that people joke about. The, like The oh, phase you go through. Yeah, right. like, oh, you know everything. Now you've unlocked like relationships and you understand <laughs> everything about them and like you're perfect at them. So clearly we thought that and we were like, other we should tell other people the good news <laughs> and spread the gospel of multi-amory yeah yeah so that's definitely something that stands out for me and i think that that's also why our first 75 episodes are gone they're in the archive yeah. bye-bye <laughs> no thank you because yeah there's just stuff in those where i don't think there was a lot of stuff that's just like a hundred percent wrong or we were we've completely changed our mind but more that we've maybe found better or more respectful ways to talk about those things or just got some better ideas at researching that, got right, better at finding done, done appropriate guests and experts and things like that. Yeah. And we weren't just talking about our Twitter comments, like for like 45 <laughs> minutes before we actually got into the meat of the episode, that kind of shit. Right. Some of you out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There are a few of you out there who remember those days. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I think that that really stands out to me, just that we kind of started a little bit more like a show of just like, hey, let's talk about our life doing this thing. And it kind of has become something more that is like we try to be as research based as we can while still not being researchers. Like we're not scientists, but we're all people who but we play scientists on tv i know exactly. like, you're you not a scientist and <laughs> we're not scientists but yeah yeah we, so we play, them, play them, on them on a podcast yeah exactly <laughs> yeah no exactly uh, well so i i mean i want to rewind the tape a little bit to talking about um i think emily was my first point of contact emily was the first one to come into my life in that my partner mm -hmm. at the time, Brad started dating her. And what was really special about that was, was actually, it was like the first time that I was dating someone really seriously, where when they started dating somebody new, they were like pretty cool. honest about it oh, and, yeah. and cool about it. And just like, Oh yeah, here's her dating profile. And we went on a date and this is what we talked about, you know, where I was like really led into that process. And it was, um, both exciting and like a little bit scary because I remember when I found out that you were like this huge video game nerd and super nerdy in general. <laughs> like at first that was really threatening because I was like, but that's my thing. Yeah. Um, you know, not at all realizing that I'm like, no, that's actually a really good thing that mm -hmm. my metamor and I have that kind of overlap and interest because it's not a competitive thing. It's like, oh, that means there's a much higher likelihood that we're going to get along and have stuff to talk about. And that lesson from that experience has come back in my life multiple times that like if I have a partner who starts dating somebody and there's something about them that's a little threatening or something like that, that I remind myself that, no, this could be the cue that I actually would really love this person, this metamor, you know, and actually really, really could have a really wonderful friendship or business partner relationship with them potentially <laughs> yeah, or both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You probably weren't yeah. thinking yeah. of business partner yet. That probably came not, yet. Not, <laughs> not, right then, no. yet, not yet. And so from my partner dating Emily and then Emily going home and telling Jace, mm -hmm. Hey, this guy that I dated also is dating this super cool sounding person. Dedeker. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> And then Jace and I started dating. And so that was kind of the the origin of like the first quad mm -hmm. that I had ever been in. Yeah, I think definitely that yeah. we had ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the origin of the quad, which I mean, I want to hear from all y'all about what you think about this as well. I think it's really easy for us to be hard on ourselves because we did make a lot of mistakes and went into that with a lot of assumptions. And we were, I mean, we were real newbies about this kind of stuff. Um, 
But at the same time, it was also like I found a really exciting time because it was just like so new and felt so cool. It was times. super exciting. Like, super cool. You know, I was like, wow, I just suddenly have, like, this group of, like, three people that I can have hang out with me, and uh-huh. it feels sleep great. With, yeah. It's, and sleep with sometimes, and that's, like, super fun, you know, yeah. but also we can... I don't know. It There was parts of it that was, like, really, really cool, and I think even though there were so many mistakes and, like, a lot of pain that ended up happening, I feel like it was really formative for me to also have those wonderful feelings of, like, wow, this is just great, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jason and I had dated really like since the very beginning of 2011, like met in 2010 um, and were monogamous until we when did we start being polyamorous, Jason? Like in the early 2014 or 2013, I guess. It would have been 2013. That's when we all met. So long ago. It really was a long time ago. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, like, the time this episode comes out will be, like, right around my anniversary of meeting Jace 10 years ago, which is Whoa. pretty oh, incredible. Wow. Like, in wow. terms of, yeah, people in my life, I'd say there's there are few that I'm as close with who I've known as long as you, for sure. And really, like, that extends to you, Dedeker, as well. I think, yeah, coworkers and, like, people come and go out of your life. Right. But, like, you two have very much stayed um in a very meaningful way obviously so yeah i i think in terms of like becoming this quad at the time it was very much for me like a kind of a sexual awakening of so many things it, in terms of like my own personal sexuality coming to terms with the fact that like i'm like i can say that i'm bisexual and like deal with it and it is a thing and you know mm. being okay with that and yeah, but then also understanding, I don't know, at the time, what, I was 25, maybe, 24, oh 25, I know. <laughs> and so I think just <laughs> by merit of me being as young as I was, I also did just believe, like, yeah, I know what the hell I'm doing and talking about and whatever. And, like, this is really flighty and fun and it, with no consequences, um, which ended I also, up not being the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I also feel like, and I'm thinking about that time as well, that not only were we in this quad, I feel like all four of us in that quad were just like dating like gangbusters. Like, just yeah. all kinds that, of people. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that combination of, of like, yeah. I think that phase that we see a lot of polyamory newbies go through of both, like, once you finally find the equilibrium and then you're like, oh, wow, I figured it out and I know everything about relationships combined with that, like, poly joy of, I can date everyone if I want <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't have to say no to any experience. I don't have to say no to anybody. Like, I feel like all of us were just like going on dates like all the time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was cool so. for A the lot. most part. I mean, there were, you know, little dramas that would happen here and there. Um, but I, I mean, I look back on that now. I'm just like, Jesus, like, where did I get the energy from? I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we're I were young. Too. <laughs> we were younger. How about you, Just Like, yeah. How are you? How do you feel about that time in your life and like being very new to it as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just all second and third, all of the things that you two said of, yeah, that we were just dating a ton, going on tons of dates. Um, and then also, I guess the thing that always jumps out to me is how even though what we were doing, you know, just being polyamorous and dating people and being open about that felt very radical. When I look mm-hmm. back on it, I think of how very normal or like, um, I don't know what the right word is, but how very kind of still standard in terms of how I was approaching gender at the time and what dating looked mm-hmm. like and what sex is and like what defines a relationship versus not, that all that was still very, like, quote, normal, you know, very, very kind of standard stuff that I'd inherited from culture, right? From our TV, from our society. And so it's funny looking back on that now and thinking, wow, I thought I was so being so radical and really I was still so mainstream and that I feel like I've (laughs) gradually moved away from that. But that's been more of this kind of slower process of various realizations or moments of I don't know, epiphany or being presented with something that I hadn't considered before. And I think a lot of that is thanks to this podcast being so... Oh, yeah. The fact that we do this every week, and so every week being proactive about researching these things or 
trying to find new guests or looking at other people's podcasts or blog posts or things really kind of broadened my horizons a lot more than I probably thought was even possible when we started this. So as happens to many quads, we are no longer a quad. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah, Brad is uh, you, yeah, not in our the picture quad, at all. <laughs> well, I feel like when we had Kathy Labriola on the podcast last, when she was talking about her polyamory breakup book, you know, she talked about how she witnesses this kind of collapsing effect that quads maybe have a tendency to collapse into a triad and then triads on their own often tend to have, have a tendency to collapse into a dyad oh, sometimes, well, which is definitely is. what happened. Those are the dominoes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I think what was different for us was we still kind of ended up maintaining again, what I call like our emotional triad co-parenting mm-hmm. a little baby podcast you know, that I, I think, you know, for a number of factors, I know you and Emily and Jace have talked a lot about this, you know, having that period where after you'd broken up, like still living in the house together and still recording a podcast together and really having to navigate how do we both disentangle and reforge kind of a new friendship at the same time. And same, I mean, between you and me also, Emily, you know, yeah. kind of figuring out how do we disentangle this old relationship and then kind of reforge this new friendship. Um, so I, I think that's the thing is why like people get really confused. Uh, it, it is the hard <laughs> thing the that <laughs> by the three of us, it is the hard thing that when you're in the polyamory or non-monogamy space and especially online space, if you see three people in a picture together, oh, a triad, that's got to be a triad. And especially if it's a man with two women, it's like, oh, it's definitely a triad. Um, right. You know, and and so I think it's understandable that people get confused, especially when we're like, yeah, but we feel like our relationship is actually better than it ever was when we were yeah. a triad, you know, and, and there's a lot of intimacy here and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely been... Um, you know, I think that collapsing process that we went through with like all the drama and all the pain that kind of came out of that period of time, I know at least for me, really crystallized a lot of the things that I realized were actually important to me about relationships, you know, and and I feel like working on this podcast has definitely really crystallized for me a much bigger spectrum of what relationships can look like, you know, like it's no longer just this tiny little box of are we romantic and sexual or are we not that it's much more of a, it's a an beautiful amorphous. rainbow spider web. Wow. Rainbow spider web. That. Gosh. That would be uh-huh. a bitchin' to see in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that transition process actually took, like, years for me. Like, truly years. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, even though, you know, we talk about, like, oh, there was a six-month period where, like, Jason and I were, like, still, it was a little challenging. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was, like, cool again. Um, and, but, but truly even throughout that time and beyond in order to like really fully crystallize in our minds, in, in my mind, at least like what the, how to navigate like a relationship with these two people who I was intimate with, who now I see being intimate in front of me and I'm not with them. Like that was a big transitional period that took years, honestly, for me to, to kind of navigate mentally and emotionally and then also to kind of understand that yeah it doesn't it's not like this one or other thing like it can be me having a relationship with the two of you that like is truly intimate and a friendship but with all that added history that i think is um really like beautiful and important and not something that a lot of people ever really get to do yeah, or choose to do. And, and right. I feel like another part of that as well, you know, along the lines of kind of like stuff that we think is interesting, but like journalists and producers tend to not find very <laughs> interesting. Like, oh, you're boring as hell. Like, oh, we just want to see you fuck and talk yeah. about how you're going to raise a baby together as a triad. That's all we want. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that there was also a period of a few years where I don't want to say full on identity crisis for the show, but I will say, you know, definitely like Emily, as you were transitioning to being more like consciously monogamous necessarily, um, you know, I think there was definitely some questions around that because I don't know, it's not like anyone very clearly laid down this expectation of like, if you're going to talk about non-monogamy, you have to be living it. Um, but, but I think we definitely, definitely felt was that a sense. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely like, a question. Yeah, I was like, do I still have relevance on this show? Like, are there thing the things that I say like are they relevant to the audience and all of those things? And and I think at that point also it transitioned to a degree 
the show away from just exclusively being about polyamory and non-monogamy and non-traditional relationships to being about something broader and bigger. And I feel like personally that also made like my experience of learning in terms of like how good and fulfilling relationships can be when you think about them from a different level than just like what the normal whatever is that yeah it 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 like broadened my horizons i guess as you said in that way as well yeah and i mean i'm into it because i feel like something that's connected to what i would like to see in the future for this particular community is i would just love to have access to more community that isn't based solely on we all have an interest in polyamory. And so that's the only real Mm. little safe space that we can find because I do feel like my most enriching community experiences have been communities that are just like really welcoming of people who are in non-traditional relationships, but that's not the sole reason why we're gathering here today. Yeah, You know, like I really love this idea of being able to see like a space where it's like, we can have someone who's really traditional monogamous or someone who's relationship anarchist and someone who's polyamorous or someone who's solo poly and no one's feeling inherently threatened or pressured by that. And so, I mean, that's also been my hope in the fact that like, you know, Emily, you're still here being monogamous, but still talking about all these things is it, it feels like something that should be so easy and so obvious. And yet in our world really isn't, you know, um, it's a really great point that you're making. Yeah. How do, how do you feel about all this, Jess? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I I agree. And I think that it's interesting because I think it changes the dynamic a little bit of what you can talk about. So say you have a community that's all like the thing you all have in common is that you're polyamorous. There can be this tendency to be like, Ooh, we're finally in our own space. So we can kind of talk shit about the normies or the muggles or whatever term you're going to use. Right. And the same thing's true in like kink spaces is like, you can kind of dig on vanilla people or, Right. It's because it's like, oh, we, we feel like we're always kind of being told we're a little bit bad. So now we're finally together and we can talk about everyone else being bad instead. And I think that there is value in that, having that opportunity, having that type of community when you're someone who, when you're part of a community that doesn't get to do that in normal society. But I think that there's also a lot of value and it's sometimes harder to find that type of community like Dedeker was talking about that that can be proactively inclusive enough, not just like, oh, we don't care what your orientation is, but like very proactively welcoming of something that's different from the normal, but also welcoming of of monogamy and things like that. It's it's like kind of redefining what unifies us. So instead of just being this one relationship type, it's the fact that whatever we're doing, we're willing to question it and look at it and kind of examine what we're doing instead of taking it for granted, maybe. Yeah, it geez, I I think that it would be so cool as we continue to kind of evolve as humans and like in this per- perhaps more progressive space that it feels like maybe the world is going towards that. Gosh, yeah, I hope. Your, your lipstick <laughs> Fingers <up> crossed. <laughs> yeah, we are, exactly. Just, just so our listeners know, we're recording this before the election, so we're recording it on election day before yeah, the election so, has actually happened. But so yeah, if we sound blissfully naive in any way, you'll have to forgive us. Yeah, but but truly, I mean, it. This idea that that maybe through learning about other people and you know understanding each other and like actively doing the work that is needed in order to like change a person's mind or even just like bring awareness to someone. That's what I think this, this podcast has done for me in so many ways is like, it's brought awareness to things that I just truly was not thinking about. Like I was completely ignorant to. And again, you know, when, as I've said in multiple outlets, like you can't unring the like bell of polyamory once you've done it. And once you've like lived it. So even if I'm not like, actively doing it on a daily basis, I still can like bring a lot of the ideas that I was utilizing in my daily life as a polyamorous person into my current relationship and into just my life in general. And, you know, a bunch of other shit that we've learned on this as well. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest change I've, I've noticed in myself and kind of how I approach the world and relationships 
you know, from the start of this podcast to today is, I, I mean, I do feel at the start of this podcast, I think because we were going through so much drama and so much pain, and there was a lot of really difficult questions coming up. I think it kind of shoehorned me into this particular set of ideas of like, well, this, okay, I know what I know about myself. And I think this is the correct way to do polyamory. And this is the way that I think most people should do it. And that's the way it is. And I think from doing this show and hearing about so many people's different experiences in my work, working with clients, especially hearing so many people's different experiences, I really feel I've gotten to this point where I'm almost at a place of just feeling like I almost kind of don't care what format of relationship Mm. you are in or you choose. Just please do it in a way that's like ethical and kind and everyone is consenting and, and everyone has access to happiness, you know? Um, And I feel that clinging to that understanding, that new understanding is something that helps me when I feel tempted to slip into something like, say, like gatekeeping in this community, you know, of like, oh, your polyamory is okay, but your polyamory is not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I still think it's important to have standards, again, like kind of holding people up to this rubric of like, well, is everybody consenting? Is everybody actually happy? Is there kind of equanimity in this relationship um are people being kind to each other um but yeah i feel like i'm less i'm more disinclined to to gatekeep in that way just based on somebody's relationship format i feel we're going to take a quick break right here to talk about our sponsors and some ways that you can support this show to keep this going for another 100 episodes we hope step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code multi at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right, we're back. So we're going to move on to talking a little bit about now sort of how things have changed over time, not just in our own thinking, but even outside of that as well. And so first thing that I looked up for this was about podcasts about polyamory. Like part of our story that we tell people about why we started the Multiamory podcast was because there just weren't any resources out there, or there weren't a lot of resources out there, and there especially weren't any that were by young people, which we believed to be, which we believed ourselves to be at the time, right? You know, the, the, <laughs> are we still young? I don't know. It's all it's all relative, right? Well, it's relative, Esk. yeah, yeah, right. But but you know, it was all stuff like. The Ethical Slut, or, uh, you know, Sex at Dawn, or whatever else, right? Like, all things written by people who were very much boomers. 
I guess we'll, we'll put it that way. Maybe Gen Xers. And there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that for sure. But, but I mean, definitely there are very few people talking about social media or Tinder or, (laughs) you know, just kind of like the same way. Yeah. In the same way, this, this like later wave of of non-monogamy and polyamory and, and stuff like that. And then specifically in the world of podcasting, there was polyamory weekly was kind of the one podcast about polyamory. And then there was like Tristan Taramino's Sex Out Loud talked about it sometimes, but it wasn't specifically polyamory focused. Cooper, and there were some swinger podcasts that yeah. talked a little bit about polyamory. Um, again, all of them a little bit from an older generation than us, more maybe Gen X ish. But but there kind of wasn't any, so we're like, oh, we'll start this. And then just today, I did a, a search for polyamory podcasts. And I have here something in the neighborhood of 200 results that have just come up of shows that either have polyamory in the title or in their description of what the show is. So this isn't even just episode topics. This is in your show description or in your tags or your title, right? Like 200. And when I search the word polyamory, that specific word shows up in the titles or the descriptions of around 100 of those. Like mm-hmm. within the first sentence of their description, even. I see. So like that it's enough of a focus that it's that it's right there. And they're everything from shows that are very specifically about polyamory to things that are a little bit more general. But polyamory is one of the kind of main topics they mention as being something they discuss. So that's just pretty fascinating to see how different that is from when we were starting this podcast definitely six years that's ago that's amazing yeah. yeah and i think podcasts in general have really like exploded like isn't that yeah. a, a joke now like oh well everyone has a podcast you're just like i'm gonna start a podcast and <laughs> yeah. you know yeah but we like did it before that happened which i'm <laughs> proud of us about slightly slightly, slightly. Like we, were, we were still was, yeah we were still part of the boom. I don't think that we were before the boom, but we were on the yes. upswing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been really interesting. Um, I've definitely found that when I think about, um, I'm trying to think of the timeline here because my book, yeah, we started the podcast in 2014. My book, book came out in 2017. Yeah. I started writing that book in 2015, came oh, out wow. in 2017 and it's been really interesting um, because it's like the times that I've been brought on for interviews, whether it's on like TV shows or a live stream show or somebody else's podcast or a radio show or a news program or whatever, that the nature of the questions I feel has changed just okay. just slightly. You know, there's still some old classics like, what about jealousy? Everyone likes to ask that question that still. Yeah. Um, yeah. Classic. That I feel like back in the day, and again, we're talking about the span of less than a decade here, which is wild to think about, but... Back in the day, it was either I was being interviewed by someone who was already all in on polyamory, you know, or it was a little bit more of the sensationalist. Let me ask you about the sex. How the heck does this work? Uh, Who do you think you are that you can get this to work? Um, (laughs) Uh You know, a lot of people that I would count as quote unquote outsiders to the community, like sometimes doing a little bit of a sideshow esque, like, hey, let's talk to this weirdo for a day or something like a little bit more of that sense i mean i i never really had any like awful like truly awful experiences but that was just kind of the sense that i got and nowadays what i've noticed happening a lot more is people reaching out to me for interviews on their show for their article for their live stream show whatever it is and asking a lot of questions being really really curious and then as soon as we're off the air inevitably it's like okay so actually so like me and my boyfriend have started talking about this like mm-hmm. six months ago mm-hmm. and like we started reading this stuff and that's how i came across your book and i just thought it was really interesting and just wondering if you have any like advice for this <laughs> like this is like happened, oh my god read the book <laughs> it's like... happened so many times of <laughs> like like where it's people are i think just feeling more comfortable to be curious about these things Mm -hmm, and to be honest of like, Hey, actually I'm thinking about this for myself and that's leading me down this particular rabbit hole of research. Well, and like I said before, like the cultural understanding of it, I think is there's just more understanding. It's not completely, Whoa, this is like taboo and weird and I'm not going to be okay with it because it's something that I've never heard of before. It, It is more in like, the understanding of those 
people who are like in the relationship space or just in general, I think it's like even in some of our TV shows, as we've talked about twice on this podcast, (laughs) devoted two whole episodes to. And so, yeah, I think maybe we're just starting to have people find it to be like less sensational. And so it's just being they're asking like harder, more detailed questions, perhaps about it. It's almost like the overall narrative about it even if for most of culture it's still kind of this weird thing this kind of weird experiment (laughs) that you could do that i think that i've noticed that the narrative is less around opening up a relationship is just something you do before you break up or while you're looking for something better to now being like this is a thing that you can try and it doesn't necessarily mean your relationship's over I think Mm. that subtle change in how people look at it has maybe made more couples willing to at least entertain the idea or look into it because there's less of this sense of like, we can't take that step because once we do that, we're doomed. And instead it's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something that we could try. I don't know. And, and if it doesn't work out, that also could be okay. We could go back to being monogamous. And I think that's definitely a big change from my impressions and like, the ways people asked me questions about it when we, when Emily and I first opened up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That reminds me literally, literally just the other day, um, I had a news article fed up to me from slate. It was like slate's advice column. And the, the headline was just, Oh, this guy I started dating just dropped a bombshell on me. What do I do? And for a second, I was like, I wonder if it's polyamory. And I was like, ah, it's probably not. It's probably something else. And then I clicked on it and that's what it was. It was, you know, she was like, I was talking to this guy. seems like we really, meshed well it's the first person i've met in a long time online that i felt this with but then he told me that he was poly and i know about myself that i'm like really emotionally needy and i have low self-worth and so i don't know if i should go for it or not and i was just like bracing for what the response was going to be you know because it's sometimes still a little bit of a crapshoot of how people are going to respond to it and i was so surprised it was two people who were kind of responding to this advice column um that they were actually like they did not make polyamory the thing that they attached mm-hmm. to like instead they were like oh it's actually kind of sad that you feel like you're super needy and and have this mm-hmm. low self-worth like let's talk about those things and like maybe you could talk to a therapist about those things because that's going to be helpful for you in general and like maybe polyamory is not for you or maybe you could find that actually it's really fantastic and great and this person's wonderful and it was just so refreshing to see these two people who were giving this advice who were not necessarily in the community and i don't think either of them identified as polyamorous to at least give this kind of fair shake take on Maybe it could be bad for you. Maybe it could be good, which that also feels rare. It feels still a little bit rare. I feel like mostly in the space that's not, though, that's outside of the polyamory community. It's a lot of either direct condemnation or, or, or very pro. Like, I don't know. I don't know what uh, your impressions are of that. I think that, yeah, like even going, I mean, as I have talked about on the show, I've gotten to like one therapy session, like one like actual therapy experience in college. But then I did go to um, couples therapy once, like within the last five years. And I was amazed at the time, like how when polyamory got brought up, it wasn't the therapist didn't blanch at it. She didn't like freak Mm. out or say that that was like the root of any issue that my partner and I were having, but rather that it just, you know, let's talk about that some more. And so I do think people are educating themselves more like therapists and, and advice columnists or whatever, educating themselves more. And so it is becoming at least just another option that let's explore that as opposed to being the cause of all of your issues that you ever have. And like, that's inherently bad or something. So that's good. That's a good change. Yeah. So like rapid fire, I just had some things that I wanted to ask regarding like the podcast and like what it's kind of meant. So like, do you two have a favorite episode that we've done, a favorite guest? They, they're all amazing. We love all of you. Oh, but like um, favorite guest or like a favorite like tool that we've created or piece of knowledge that we like use on okay, the podcast that was, that was like six questions that was three questions <laughs> it was three <laughs> questions i had my fingers up and you saw them in the <laughs> so yeah okay yeah i'm sorry with favorite episode or with favorite guests that's that's a little too hard we've had just such such amazing guests on the podcast yeah, I, we covered such fascinating topics so that's a little too hard so i'm not going to answer those but oh, as far okay. as like 
most used tool or favorite tool? <sighs> That's a hard one too. That's a really hard one too. Um, I, I mean, realistically, most used are for me in my life are like the Triforce and and radars. Honestly, yeah. I, I do feel like radars and specifically and just having the freedom to have a relationship check-in has freed up so much in my life and in my relationships. It's freed up so much brain space. It's it's really changed the way that I feel about confronting partners on things. Um, yeah. So I would yeah. say that. Oh, I, I, it's, I know. I wish I had like a different answer, but also I think Triforce and Radar are the biggest ones for me. Interestingly about the radar, what you were saying about kind of uh, giving you permission to have check-ins, that I think that whenever you and I, Dedeker, have had to have, or even the three of us for our like company meetings too, whenever we've needed to have a like, okay, let's sit down and figure out this thing, like Dedeker and I recently, and maybe we'll talk about this on a future episode, we tried out this system for dividing household chores. That's sort of yeah. a whole, there's a whole structure to it, which we like, because it reminds me of Radar a little bit, that there's specific steps and specific things you do, and it's a little bit like a game. But doing that was very much like we came in having all the tools that we've developed from doing our radars of just, we know how to take breaks, how to meta-communicate about what we're communicating about, right? Just just all of that really... Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's developed a lot of skills and tools that I think I use very regularly, even outside of my romantic relationships. And then the Triforce is just one that I, I've just found not only really helpful for myself, but really helpful for explaining to other people, because it kind of simplifies this concept of sometimes you're not giving someone what they actually want in an in an exchange that and that understanding what they want can help you give that to them and kind of help sort of demystify like why is it that this person gets upset with me when I'm trying to help them and I I think that's just been such a big one that I've found really helpful to tell other people. Yeah, I I gave someone the Triforce advice on uh Sunday when I was oh, at wow. work. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was like, "Why do I just I gave my girlfriend advice and she was like, that's not what I want from you. And I said, well, why don't you try asking her next time what it is that she wants when you uh-huh. get in a conversation like that? Ask her, like, do you need some love and care and affection and just poor baby? Or do you actually want to problem solve this with me? Or are you just telling me like what's happening here? So I tried to like infuse the Triforce a little bit on him. <laughs> infuse. Yeah. Infuse. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm going to add one too. I'm going to say also... The idea that we've talked about from the Gottman Institute, which is about taking bids, mm, yeah, taking other people's bids and the importance of that. Yeah. I think that's one that I've found comes up with my parents, with my siblings, with my friends, with my coworkers, in addition to my relationships, that just this idea of, I guess, realizing how important it is to do what you can to acknowledge a bid and to say yes to it, even if it's not a, okay, we're just going to do what you said, but kind of acknowledging that by, by treating this bid seriously and taking it seriously and turning toward it, I'm improving our relationship and making sure that person doesn't feel rejected or ignored. And then similarly, if I'm ever feeling rejected or ignored or not appreciated i'm able to kind of step back and see it's like oh right it's because those bids aren't being accepted maybe i could also take a different approach of when i give those bids or just not take it so personally like when i try to give any sort of bid to dedeker within the first two hours of her waking up in the morning (laughs) it's not gonna go well Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. She's going to be coughing and upset. she's just yeah. going to be grumpy with me. Yeah. But I, but I, by understanding bids, I'm able to kind of take that outside of this is how she thinks of me and more just how is she able to receive my bids or not? Yeah. What about you, that. Emily? I, yeah. I mean, it, I use Triforce. I, I think, I think so many of our, um, of, like the tools that we've created and that we've learned about have truly been 
for us it, from like a, a bigger granular level, being able to like, even if whatever we're doing isn't quite working on the other person or, you know, the bid isn't being taken or whatever, we're able to step back and say like, hey, uh, I understand what's happening. Like, I understand the bigger picture of like what's occurring there and I don't need to take something so personally or be so upset about it. And yeah, I think my personal, like, <laughs> for lack of a better word, anger in relationships or or being judgmental of, like, myself or other people or, yeah, it being pissed off or upset at someone, like, that's taken a step back over the years because I've been like, mm. hey, I, it, it's okay. Like, I get kind of what's going on here and I understand, mm. like they probably didn't mean to do that even if i'm getting like frustrated or upset about it i can mm. kind of understand like maybe where they're coming from or maybe i just need to approach something in a different way so yeah what you said as well i i think it enables like more self-awareness in addition to being aware of how other people tick like mm. you understand that you personally can like take a step back and not take everything so personally yeah yeah that's great yeah. I think that there's been this overarching theme for me of realizing that um creating structure and systems can be great actually. Mm-hmm. Even even like tiny tiny little systems. I mean like the microscript stuff that we came up with in the past. I mean like literally just the other day Jason identified like oh there's this regular interaction that we have where the way that one or both of us reacts to a particular prompt sets off the other person and makes God. us both annoyed. And it was like, what if we come with a microscript for that? You know, just, and so it's like something about feeling really empowered to be like, we can create even a tiny little system, yeah. a tiny little tool, a tiny little bit of structure that helps us to communicate really intentionally and really well and in good faith and act as a team instead of just kind of falling into old habits or yeah. falling into assuming that someone's out to get me or someone's out to hurt me or stuff like that, that we can kind of, yeah, it's like that meta level kind of processing and creation within exactly. relationship. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause it reminds me a little bit of our episode from two weeks ago, talking about eustress and distress that having that agency of, I feel like, this problem is not insurmountable, but we can come up with a system or we can try things so that we can get past it. I think that that is a key part of the tools and stuff is seeing, okay, there's ways, there's other ways to talk about this or go about it. We can try things or as Dedeker likes to say, you know, we can put on our scientist hats and do experiments on ourselves to like figure out what's going to work for us. But that is really empowering, I think, and, and helps fight that feeling of helplessness that I I personally have experienced in a lot of relationships that have been oh, yeah. having trouble and that I see constantly in people's relationships, kind of this feeling of helplessness, of just like, I, I can't do anything about this. I can't do anything to fix this. I can't escape this. I can't make it better kind of a feeling. Yeah, we are more powerful, I think, than we ever think that we are, truly. I mean... I don't know. At least I've found that for myself in my relationships. And then on the flip side, if if, you know, that relationship isn't going the way that I want to, I can also exit it, which I, I know that I've heard both of you say. And that's something that like our relationship, the three of us together has also shown us like that relationships can be really good and really healthy and function at a really high level. And I really appreciate that, too. Yeah. And I mean, I think that leads to, you know, if we want to close this out by thinking about the future, thinking mm-hmm. about the next 300 episodes. Yeah. Gosh, what, if, what if we started with just like the next 100? Because 300, <laughs> that's like six years more of episodes. So, well, no, I, I tried to look it up, but like Joe Rogan has done like 1500. And oh, he's super, God. yeah, he's super controversial. But I know that he's done like 1500 episodes of his show or something. And I think wow. that he said like it took like 500 to get like super in the groove of things. So, okay, so we're I not know, even there yet. That's- no, we're not even there yet. And and personally, yeah, what is like, the groove going to be? Is I don't that know. when we? I, gosh, yeah, when we just like, there's no problem. Like it, it, it just flows. It flows <laughs> like the eustress stuff that we talked about. <laughs> is he a Goodness. daily podcast? Oh, I don't know. He does like three hour podcasts, though. I cannot imagine. He could wow. be daily. He came out in 2009. 
So okay, he's been doing now. this for 10 years. It's, it must be okay. weekly. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Wow. Okay. So, right. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess what I would want for this show and what I feel like I want in my work, and to a certain extent, I feel like is a little bit of my life's purpose that I want to forward on this earth is, you know, I've realized about my own life, I feel so happy and so lucky and so fortunate that I have these handful of relationships like Emily and Jace and my partner, Alex, and, you know, my close friends and like my sister, you know, it's like I have this handful of relationships that are like these little points of light. They're like little stars in a night sky when it's really dark. And it's like, these are the things, boy, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Getting the emojis. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're just like these little points of light that like keep me going when things are really tough and really awful. And I'm just like so glad to have these really life sustaining, life giving relationships and coming from a place where, where it's been very much the opposite coming from a place where my relationships have been very draining and very um, depressing and bad and toxic and really unhealthy for me. And just realizing that it's like, it it really doesn't have to be that way. You know, like, like we come onto this earth and we don't have to have bad relationships, you know, like toxicity and unhealthy dynamics and pain do not have to be a fundamental part of loving somebody. And so I feel like for me, it's just thinking kind of broad strokes about what I want for the show moving forward is just more of that. Like ultimately it's not even about, monogamy non-monogamy sex or no sex or or things like that it is just about you know how can you just make your immediate sphere around you feel better and be restoring life and energy to you in your relationships and i mean i do think that's that's how we change the world is by changing our relationships like really at the end of the day oh that's great I, i don't think i could say it any better than that that's unbelievable yeah, you can't see it, but we're hurting all of you out there. <laughs> Doing yeah, a little heart symbol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would. I would want to say just to like some concrete goals for the next hundred episodes. Oh, please, too, yes. Is our hopefully Private our book, jet. our book will get published. At yes. Hopefully yes, at some point in that next hundred episodes. Uh, so that'll be cool to to do something like that together, and to you know put that out into the world. Also, for a while now, we'd been working on putting together a study of polyamory mm-hmm. that would be something ongoing, actually contributing to the research that's out there since it's still, there's more research now on non-monogamy, but it's still something that's not very well funded in the world of research. It's not, there's not a ton of interest in that. So that's something I'm excited about on a more concrete level eventually love to go on tour again once we can travel the world again that'll be awesome so we can get out of the united states of america again yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and oh and just for those of you please. who were shouting at your podcast machines a moment ago joe rogan is a daily podcast oh, oh okay. that's that's how his numbers are Holy that high shit. good lord yeah. and they're all like three hour episodes it's wild yeah that's what i every thought. day Goodness. It's, in, it's bonkers yeah Wow. Yeah, um, I would love to connect more with our audience, and I think we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more in our bonus episode, but I I love, I have so loved, like, getting to know some of you out there and, like, on a more personal level, and our, we have an amazing mod team um, for our Facebook group. We have some amazing people who we work with that have brought this show to such a higher level than it ever was before when we were around one recorder underneath a blanket in freaking 100 degree weather in Jason, my apartment when we started yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so thank you all for that, um, for being a part of this and going on this journey with us together. So I'm yeah, I'm so excited to, like, get more perspectives, raise people up who's, you know, on our platform who maybe wouldn't get a good platform before, like if we can help in any way, like all of those things I think is, will be great. So we've got a lot of work to do, but let's uh, move that progressive agenda forward and Mm -hmm. have everyone be more understanding of each other. 
So thank you all for going on this journey with us, as we have said for the last 300 episodes. And here's to uh, at least 100, if not 300 or 1,000 <laughs> more. We'll see how it goes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth in our bonus episode. Uh, just, you know, go even even deeper here for all of you in our Patreon group. So we're excited to do that. And I, I would love to know, actually, for our poll this week, what your favorite episode has been. And I know that we've done this in our Facebook group, but for those of you who are not a part of that, we would love to know what your favorite episode has been. That would be great. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by the amazing Mauricio Balvanetta. Our social media wizard is the compelling Will McMillan. Our production assistants are the phenomenal Rachel Shenowork and the dazzling Carson Collins. Our theme song is Swarms I Know I Did by the radiant Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.